Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bellotti, and today I am really excited to have Holly Chen, who is founder, chief marketing officer, growth advi- and growth advisor at Exponential X, which all those titles, I think, are to hit the LinkedIn SEO algorithm for searching. Uh, Holly, how are you doing today? Great, great. That's a gross advisory hacking. Uh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love it. So today we are going to talk about, so we, we've talked before about uh, product-led growth on the podcast. We've had some guests that that uh, have talked about how to implement product-led growth motion or uh, how to start with a product-led growth type culture. But today uh, I, I, we're, we're going to take a bit of an inverse approach to it, which is if you already have a product-led growth motion, how do you introduce or scale up to in to a sales motion uh, and how does that look? Like, what are the challenges? How do you approach the goal setting and metrics and tracking and and team set up, set up and all that fun stuff? So uh, we've got Holly here. Holly uh, has a ton of experience in the world of growth. Holly, why don't you give a quick intro on yourself and then we'll go ahead and dive in. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks, Matt. Um, I worked on growth at Google on their e-commerce business um, and Slack uh, and grew it from 100 million to 700 million ARR and and eventually going public. So have seen the company scale. Um, And since uh, 2019, 2020, I've been advising companies like Miro, Loom, uh, ServiceNow, Sanity, TeamFlow. Um, So have seen both uh, companies who have a sales-led motion going down to, wanted to create a product-led growth motion, as well as uh, product-led growth companies wanted to go a market to add their um, sales-assisted and, and sales-led motion. So i uh, really excited to talk through uh, both of them and compare them uh, and some learnings in the process. Awesome. That sounds great. So why don't we start from the top? If uh, someone is operating at a company that is mostly product-led, how do they know and how can they think about when the right time is to consider introducing and and running a sales-assisted or a sales-led type motion? Yeah, um, this is a a million-dollar question. I think there's a lot of talk about PLG and a lot of people equate PLG as self-surf. But in reality, PLG just means the product itself is the main driver of growth. So if people need to get some help and start using your product, it can still be PLG. Um, And there are uh, two major ways to to add your sales motion. One is sales assisted. Another one is sales led. So what does that mean, right? Um, depending on your product and your audience, um, a lot of companies who originally have a self-serve motion, um, a, a typical example is um, a user, uh, let's say a engineer or a product marketing manager, they find uh, a tool, uh, they sign up for free, use it for a little bit, um, likes it, and um, they may want to have advanced uh, set of uh features or a more control over access levels or security. And at this time, there are two main ways to upgrade. One is self-serve, right? Um, you go into the product um, somewhere, uh, you pay directly in the product interface with a credit card. You don't have to talk to anyone to do this. And that's a typical PLG monetization journey. 
Another one is sales assisted, which is um, you contact sales, uh, which comes in the form of a SDR or AE or CSM, uh, really depends on how big you are and, and your role. And then you may see a demo of the enterprise version or advanced version. You may in, involve internal stakeholders uh, like security, uh, privacy, procurement. You ask your VP to sign a contract. So you get access to, to these advanced features or, or sign an enterprise contract um, and start using it. So this happens when companies go up market from serving SMB to mid-market and enterprise because enterprise typically requires more control and, and more security and privacy requirements. If the advanced version of the product is harder to understand um, and it needs um a little bit of a push or help or education to adapt. Um, and finally, there are security, privacy, and procurement requirements. Um, the benefit of having a sales motion is a higher AOV and longer revenue retention and sometimes more upfront revenue so that um, your, um, your long-time uh, LTV uh, for, for that is, um, is better. So this is a setup of when does uh, when does sales motion comes in? Um, you can go self serve, you can go sales assistant, and you can go sales led. Sales led is basically means um, sales team plays a bigger role in scheduling demos, negotiating contracts, and, and often seen in the enterprise sales context because it requires higher a uh, uh, longer. Um, conversion timeframe, uh, and it's a bigger um, dollar amount. And and this is how software have been sold uh, traditionally for many years before a PLG was a thing. Now the question is, if the company already have a strong self-serve or sales assisted motion, would you ever consider sales-led motion, right? I'd say this could be an important part of your GTM strategy because um, one, there are certain industries and personas that are very hard to reach with pure bottoms-up promotion. For example, regulated industries like financial services, healthcare, government services, um, or certain personas like CXOs at large enterprises, you simply cannot really reach them through uh, a bottoms-up approach. And that's when you have to establish your sales-led motion and, and do the, 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 the sing and dance uh, with your with your target personas and, and as a result how you measure and how you um, how you think about success is, is different so that's a long long-winded answer on uh, when and how do you think about a sales motion and I can go go deeper into operationally how do you identify those signals too yeah amazing thank you for for the full overview there you can tell that uh, two things one, Holly knows what she's talking about. And two, she prepped ahead of, of the podcast and had really clear answers for stuff. I um, love it. And, and you know, one of the very first things that you said that you pointed out was uh, that you can still, like product-led is about how people find value and all that, but you can still have a growth motion and all that with sales. Like sales assistant doesn't mean that you can't be a product-led type company, I feel like there's like a little bit of a stigma that as soon as you start hiring people, you can't be product led anymore. And you kind of like lose this aura of greatness, right, that that people put around PLG type companies. 
Um, okay, so so talking through, you, you talked through like when and how it would make sense to introduce uh, emotion. How do you think about uh, like timing? So er- too early or too late and nailing the timing. And then how how do you start? Like, do you set a goal to say, all right, we're, we feel like the time is, is now. Let's set a goal for a year and see where we get. Like, how do you... How do you approach that kind of starting point? Yeah, um, the the timing really you want to see. It really depends on your product and audience, um, and it's uh, not necessarily oh once you reach a certain ARR or necessarily uh, like let's plan twelve months ahead. Um, I would say uh, for fast growing companies, you want to identify signals. Um, And the signals comes in mainly uh, three ways. One is your demographic. um, Two is your activity. And three is your CSMs. Um, Formographic, uh, look into your existing users and see what kind of companies they're coming from. What's the size of the company they're coming from? What's the personas or titles or seniorities of your users? And if you start to see more and more of larger companies or more senior roles using your product, then that's a, that's a positive signal. Um, and two is activity. Um, so uh, if you observe a surge of visits to your pricing page, or if you see uh, a particular company all of a sudden adding new users, and especially interesting, what I've seen is if there are different users from different geos, especially for bigger companies, and and, and um, they're more distributed. And if you have different geos, that means, okay, like a positive signal that um, a bigger deal may be in the works and that they're, they're more interesting to identify. Of course, like you want to work with your analytics team, your, uh, maybe you use a tool like in game to identify those signals. So activity. And third one is a CSMs. Um, for PLG companies, as everyone knows, P- like CSMs is super important in making sure your customers have good experience. And a lot of times these more qualitative signals uh, really comes from the conversations with your um, customer service uh, representatives and, and managers. So stay close to your CSMs and success team uh, can give you some interesting signals to, to identify when is a good time. Yeah, that part of, of CSMs is so important. The CSM team at Drift is generally like the first group of people that I turn to when I need to either uh, invalidate or get some starting validation for an idea, a product release, a, an experiment, whatever it might be. They are a wealth of knowledge because they're so close, uh, like you were saying. So, okay, so let's say we see some signals. Um, how... Can I, if I'm starting a sales ladder, sales assistant motion, how can I think about goaling and like team mission and team structure? Like who who do I hire? When do I hire? What's my metric? Like, how do I think about that? Yeah, ultimately, your goal is to have uh, more revenue, right? Like, uh, and then it comes down to conversion rate and your NDR and etc. So you want to set um, the goal of uh, what's the additional revenue and revenue growth you want to drive with this more uh, with this motion and plan out your resources um, and under- really understand the ROI of this effort because it is a 
is a, a very involved process. And um, the, uh, like you said, the team uh, structure will be different. How you measure is different. The goal is different. Um, so like I would recommend, especially for um, companies who just starting to think about this, is uh, use a, uh, a, an experiment, uh, experimental approach, just like any growth hacker and gro- growth uh, practitioner would do, is you pick a segment. Right? It can be an industry segment or a persona or a geo that has decent volume to give you a signal, um, but maybe that segment has a slower time to close or lower conversion rate. And and you can cut this in various different ways. You can cut it as controlled and exposed, right? Like, um, Part of this geo has um, a, a sales assistant motion, and half of the geo doesn't. Or it can be pre-post, and of course, if if you have if you don't have enough of volume, um, so you want to run in parallel. Not to change everything together, but run in parallel and compare your controlled exposed or pre-post in order to say, okay, do I actually see a material difference in adopting the sales assistant motion? Another way you can run an experiment is to direct part of your traffic to the sales assistive flow, right? Like the, all the new users, you you separate out, let's say, 30% of your traffic to a flow that requires people to get through the sales assistive flow and see if there's any interesting signals out there. So like run smaller experiments to get signals um, to get started. Um, in terms of hires, uh, from the marketing um, side of things, um, your POG companies, typically your existing team has experience in high velocity, high volume uh, type of um, gross motion. They probably have a B2C ex- experience or has um, uh, more of a, a experience from companies like Slack or Loom or, or, or Trello's of the world um, versus if you have a sales assistant or even sales led motion um, experience from uh, a more of a demand gen B2B led uh, type of company is, is very valuable. So you want to add demand gen resources that have previous experience in driving personalized targeted campaigns. You want to make sure you have a solid customer marketing person so that you can work very closely with the, with the team on uh, customer stories on um, customer advisory boards, etc. Um, you will probably need your events and field marketing team um, to um, to grow bigger because um, more personalized events is, is going to be a motion. Marketing ops um, is an important one because now you start to adopt a whole different set of tools and systems um, and measurement. So that's a huge part. Um, and finally, you know, but not least, like the product marketing and content marketing is key because your product marketing initially um, for PLG is more uh, is pr- probably more horizontal, right? Like you have your your segments more, but more 
like uh, or industry based or or persona based, but now your product marketing needs to have needs to communicate a different set of values. Um, why a buyer would care about your product versus uh, why a user would care about your product. So that's a whole different set of messaging. Um, and um, subsequently, your content marketing needs to change uh, because now you have to start creating white papers, uh, thought leadership, um, and and more sort of um, on topics um, the, the decision makers will care about. Awesome. My next question was going to be around how you think about like channel mix changing as you introduce sales motion. But I mean, sounds like you covered most of it in, in that answer. Do you have anything else to add to that? Channel mix is uh, very much, um, I would say there, there's similar channels and then there's um additional uh, different channels. So similar channels, um, maybe previously you you run like Google campaigns and, and, and Facebook campaigns, you'll probably, con- you'll probably continue to use these um, vendors, but uh, your approach and strategy will be different, right? Like the, the kind of keywords you uh, you target or the kind of uh, landing pages you create is, is going to be different. Um, and then you probably add more targeted um, platforms and channels that for POG, it may be too expensive to run. Um, and the casing point is is LinkedIn. Um, a lot of times, if you run a POG and high velocity um, and, and high volume type of motion, LinkedIn is going to be too expensive um, to, to use versus if you are running a um, lead gen um, and, uh, and, and, and B2B, like a top-down motion, then LinkedIn is very targeted and is one of the, the best um, channels to use. Um, and then there are ABM platforms like you know, <laughs> Sixth Sense, Demandbase, Triblio, Terminus, Rollworks, Engageo, Metadata, Apollo, you know, like Zoom Info, all of these platforms really help you to identify who's visiting your website. How do you personalize your landing pages? How do you get signals of intent in order to run your ABM campaigns? So one of the things that I like to dig in uh, on in this podcast is like the messy parts of implementation that I feel like get overlooked in blog posts and whatnot. So let's say, uh, you know, somebody is in this in this motion now, they identify now's the time, here are our goals, we're going to do it in the incremental and experiment driven. Uh, we have a sense of who we're hiring and in what order. Uh, how, how do you think about handling that in between gray area before the whole thing is is fully fleshed out and proven where executives might look at it and say, why are we introducing this? We've been doing it for a few months. It's super expensive. Like doubt starts to set in. And I know some of it is, you know, you have to set expectations because the timeline for that sort of sale is going to take longer and recognize the rev- recognizing the revenue might take longer and driving the, the, the marketing efforts might take longer. But how do you, how do you think about that messy, like interpersonal uh, team level stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you said, setting expectations uh, and over communicate is is the key. Um, and um, I uh, I think using experimental approach um, to to this is important. Um, if you run an experiment of control exposed and you you start to compare, but not compare in a two week uh, time frame, but compare in like let's say this quarter, we're gonna start getting some signals whether this may work, and the signals. Don't 
doesn't have to be close one because maybe your um, your uh, conversion to sales window is you know 30 days, 60 days, and maybe longer, and maybe a quarter is not enough to get that signal. But um, maybe the signal is a little bit forward to say, well, how many people actually clicked on the button to contact sales? Um, and uh, how, like, what's the average order value of similar companies uh, who contact us uh, via this channel? And do I see a lift in the percentage of companies in, in, in my mix of uh, small, medium businesses versus um, a large, uh, large enterprises? And then if you use a proxy of past um, life, uh, lifetime value to predict um, the value of the type of leads and the type of companies that you're actually reaching, um, then that can get an early signal to say, okay, is, is this ROI positive potentially? And in terms of one of the other parts that get a little messy uh, when you're running both a completely product-led motion and some sales-driven is attribution. Like I know attribution can get a little chaotic uh, yeah. in that world and handling it and setting up, you know, the systems for it. Uh, how do you think about attribution? Yeah, attribution is, uh, <laughs> um, I think everyone wants to figure it out, but there's no uh, standard answer. Um, and it's a mix of uh, art and science. Um, I always approach this as one, you want to benchmark, um, pre-post and control expose, right? Like you are, this is essentially a incrementality study uh, if you run these experiments. So you know, okay, like how much of a lift, the actual uh, incremental lift that I can attribute to this new motion. Um, and two is, um, at the back end, um, one of the key challenges I see people run into is how much do I attribute to the self-serve funnel if I add the um, sales-assisted motion, right? Like, especially if there are two teams running these two motions, it's like, how much do I give to the self-serve team? How much do I give the, the sales-assisted team? And everyone is running the ROI analysis. Um, so one way to, to do this is not to say this is a standard, is to say um, pre-sales-assisted uh, motion, uh, what's the gross trajectory of um, pure self-serve? And then you, you may you may have a curve, right? If the uh, revenue goes in a different trajectory, then you attribute the incremental portion of that additional revenue uh, to the sales assisted team. So that could be like a nice compromise to say, okay, like, pre and post and, and what's the incremental. Um, and, and, uh, and for certain industries and personas, it's um, more about access. It's more about the ability to be able to reach. Um, so it's beyond um, incremental revenue. Then it's, um, it's like, I couldn't have reached the CIO of JP Morgan Chase if I didn't uh, run these uh, sales-led motion. Then you can measure that as a standalone program uh, to say what's the additional. Um, then you you run almost your um, equivalent of a P, uh, PNL uh, for the sales-led motion. Yep, makes sense, right? It's there's no perfect answer, but you could find ways to to cut up and. I, I, it would seem to me like one of the most important pieces of setting attribution around it is just getting 
alignment, but like forcing everybody to agree. This is how we're going to measure it. Cause I've seen it happen where, all right, let's move forward with this. And then like one team move forward, moves forward with an attribution model. And then this other team is like, hold on, I didn't agree to that. And then all of a sudden it becomes this like chaotic battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just say like, let's put a stick on the ground. We have no perfect answer. No one has perfect answer. Let's just say, let's starve with this. And then in six months, as we have more data, and then let, let's adjust, right? Like, because... Your, your mix of customers change, your good market motion change, and you get more signals on the value of um, this motion. Makes sense. And when, when you zoom out and look at, uh, you know, whether it's companies that you've actively advised through this process or uh, companies that might be doing it on their own, uh, we talked about this a little bit of, uh, you know, you might have to invest in new types of operations people or uh, obviously, if you're introducing sales-led or sales-assisted, you're going to need sales managers and, and all that. Uh, when you look at the full picture of, of introducing a sales-led uh, or sales-assisted type motion, what, uh, if we haven't touched on them, what other types of investments uh, does a company need to think about like that are either uh, directly related or might be a little bit more indirect? Yeah, for sure. So we we covered the marketing side of things. Um, and what I didn't mo- mention is brand marketing, right? If before um, I'm mainly targeting uh, end users, and if I can get um, efficient performance marketing campaign out in order to acquire like high high uh, volume of users, um, I'm I'm good for a while. But if you want to go up market, then the trust is very important. The brand is very important. You may want to start thinking about investing in how do I craft um, a brand um, story and brand campaign that really speaks to the needs um, and and wants of the um, enterprise uh, decision makers, uh, which has a totally different uh, type of mindset and and, uh, what they care about. Um, So that related to the brand uh, piece, your brand marketing people, uh, your design um, and your media is is going to be a, a, um, a big requirement. Um, and then operations, right? Like, like you said, um, there's a whole different set of tools and data. So you may need to invest more in data engineering, um, sales operations and marketing operations to make sure um, your data is uh, fed, uh, is, um, is fed um, correctly into different systems. Because now you have your like large volume of end user data. And then you have your very high, uh, highly targeted, um, this set of decision maker committee data. Um, and you have different sets of tools that, that meet this, um, these demands. Sometimes the high volume tools are too, um, are not enough uh, in terms of feature set to, to track things. Or if you have, you know, o- only use, um, let's say, HubSpot of the world, you may not, um, it, it may be too expensive to host all kinds of, you know, millions of records of, of uh, user data. So you want to make sure these two systems talk to each other and being able to connect the dots between them. So the um, the, the the data side of um, requirements is going to be big. And of course, there's like engineering, design, 
design, PM leads. Now, not only your backend uh, needs to change because you will need to develop more like accessibility um, uh, um, features, uh, privacy controls, uh, and um, uh, admin uh, features, uh, but also on the front end, right? Your your website is going to change. Um, your flow is going to change. Your lifecycle marketing needs is going to change. Um, so the the subsequent uh, support of um, email systems and and notification systems is, is going to change. Uh, so it's a it's a it's not a small feat to uh, to take on. Yeah, there is a lot to consider there, uh, but you've done quite a wonderful job breaking it all down. Uh, is there anything else uh, around this topic that you wanted to touch on that we haven't had a chance to cover at all? I actually have, this is um, probably not a very conventional uh, observation um, from the advisory uh, uh, work I've, uh, I've been doing. I noticed a few companies started experimenting high velocity sales motion and, and, and really try to compare. Because um, like in, in Silicon Valley, we're all always talk about automation. Automation is always better than human uh, uh, um uh, touch. Uh, but actually, if you can use high velocity SDR motion to convert um, your your leads in a you know quick motion, um, your SDR is not going to cost that much necessarily, uh, and uh, you probably close um, high like higher AOV deals that retains uh, longer, um, and you will probably be able to explain your features better uh, for them uh, to adapt. So it's not necessarily more expensive to have a human touch. Um, it, it's a, a few companies started experimenting with like high velocity sales, um, not. Only my uh, advisory clients, but actually uh, also some larger companies uh, start to do that, um, and it actually has a very positive signal. Um, and um, I talk to a lot of, uh, let's say, like Chinese companies, right? Like because human cost is is a lot lower there, um, and a lot of companies use high velocity uh, human touch to run it. So um, I think um, my approach is always uh, not necessarily say one is always better than another, but use a more experimental approach to run um, experiments and really see if this motion is um, better for my business or not. Awesome. All right. Well, Holly, thank you so much for joining and talking through all this stuff. I learned a ton and your answers are clear and, and uh, concise and dense. Like there's a lot in there. Uh, and I know our listeners for sure uh, had a lot of takeaways, so really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, there are many, many other episodes, I think almost 80 others uh, with amazing guests that you can go check out. If you like this one, hit the subscribe button. Uh, if you got feedback, ideas, whatever it might be, my email is drift.com. If you could leave a review, that would be amazing as well. Thank you so much for spending your time listening to this podcast. I know there are hundreds of or thousands of things you could be working on listening to, uh, reading, whatever it might be. Uh, and you're spending it here listening to the podcast and I super appreciate it. So thank you very much. And I will catch you on the next episode. Bye.